everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth? Hey, what's up? Oh, gosh, busy. Little, uh, I'm on a little uh, vacation time, but it's not really vacation time. It's a lot of uh, getting kid off to college time, I would say. So I've been spending uh, um, a lot of my hours uh, getting her prepped, and, and this week taking stuff up to... University of New Hampshire, where she's going. Uh, because of COVID, they've done like this funky kind of staggered system where you bring the stuff and set up the room and the dorm. And then the following week, you bring the actual kid and draw and, and leave her there. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. Yeah, that's that's a major activity. It's it's not uh, it's not <laughs> like sending your kid off to high school or elementary or whatever. It's a major activity. Yeah, it is. You know, it's just the Bed Bath and Beyond. What what what, what more can I say? You know, you spend a lot of money. This is the there. time when they shine. <laughs> it is. This is their time to shine. I bought a dorm fridge yesterday. Uh, so not from Bed Bath and Beyond. I shouldn't be plugging one company, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know it. You've been through it, so. So, you know, it's just right of passage, but she's the last one of mine out the door. So it's kind of, uh, kind of a daunting, interesting time. Yeah. Unbelievable. You went to visit your daughter. I did. Uh, yeah, I was about to say it, it, you know, we throw in another challenge of, of moving a kid across the country and then it gets, it gets real interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I drove out to Utah last week and then drove back. Uh, the drive was great, except for the last day. I uh, did not enjoy that last day of driving, but uh, it was a great trip and, and good, to be, good to be off. Awfully hot out there. Uh, wasn't, wasn't quite used to that, but had a great time and uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, I think the country is basically hot right now. Yeah. We're, we're having a tiny respite here of, of cool weather, but I'm so glad you got to see Kate. That's great. Well, I think that this change of season, uh, you know, it's it's interesting for both of us individually, obviously, but I, I think that it's making me think also more about what's happening, you know, in the business environment. Uh, mm -hmm. And I've been thinking for the past few months, uh, you know, about the pandemic and how people are reacting. And I, I feel like I've never been fully satisfied with the reaction. It, it's always felt very short term to me. Um, and, and some of that was probably uh, hopeful optimism, hoping that the thing would be short term. But I think some of it also kind of missed the target in, in thinking that companies were simply reacting to what was happening and, and then they might go back to business or, or after this is over and they've got dollars to spend, they might spend money on, on lessons they've learned. And I think some of that is true. But I, I think that there's also been this huge theme throughout the pandemic that a lot of technology trends have accelerated. So a lot of things that we saw in the past are still really important and, and even becoming more important. And so I thought that we could have a little three-part series here for the first time ever in, in Volley, a multi-part series, looking at some things that are part of the, the trajectory of technology today, not just discrete events or discrete pieces of technology that are, that are becoming more important, but more the way that businesses are thinking about their use of technology and the way they're going to be thinking about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. I think we're at a strange time and I and I know we're about five months into this oddity that we've been going through. And uh, and I think your point is spot on, Seth, that at what point, given that we have no we have no ending in sight, that we that the world is going to revert back to the way that it quote unquote was, when do you start to say, Okay, this is this is the reality we live in? And instead of just kind of treading water and waiting for things to go back to what you would consider normalcy, realizing this is the, your new normalcy. And I hate to use that phrase. It's terrible, but, and then you, and then you can just, you know, take a look at, okay, well, what does it mean? A lot of the things that were priorities that were the things that we needed to be doing from a technology sense, from a services sense, they still exist. They may exist in a different framework, but they still exist. So um, let's just move ahead and not wait until the past comes back because it may never. And I think you're, you know, I think you're spot on to say that this is, this is reality right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even your phrase there, new normal, which isn't one of my favorites either, but I think it's been interesting to, to almost see people say, well, this is the new normal, but what, what is it going to be like when this is over? And it's like, well, if it's the new normal, it's not going to yeah, be. Yeah, there, there's no over there. It might, right. you know, this is, this is, it's called transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I wrote a blog post um, for the CompTIA blog this week that, uh, that kind of teed up the, this whole idea. And I think we're going to dive a little bit more into it. And, and in the blog post, I highlighted four areas that I think are part of this trajectory. And the first one of those, I think we can blow by pretty quickly because we've talked about it a lot on this podcast already, and that's cloud computing. You know, I think that's the foundation for the direction that companies are going to take. And, and companies are definitely accelerating their adoption. They're, they're moving more into the strategic parts of cloud adoption versus the tactical parts. And again, we, we've talked through all of that, but I, I do think that that's the first piece of it. And then that leads into the second big piece, which is what we're going to spend all of our time on today, which is integration. Um, mm -hmm. and, and integration clearly is one of those trends that has been around for a long time. You know, the topic has been around for a long time, but I think the way that companies are approaching it and the importance that they're placing on it, it is what's changed here because companies are procuring all of these different tools, different pieces of technology, obviously with cloud systems, uh, that's, that's opening the doors to even more tools and systems that they are procuring. So they've got all of these pieces and, and they need to work together and they've always needed to work together. But I think that that need is what's changed here. I, I think that it's critically important to companies to make sure that it's working together in the most efficient way possible, not just kind of having proof of concept that these pieces are connected. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking um, about this topic quite a bit and I mean, integration just in and of itself is not a new topic. However, I, I agree with you that in the cloud era, it is definitely uh, something that takes on a little bit more priority because you've got applications and technologies that reside in so many different places. You also have so many different choices for your technology, whereas you may have been at one point, I, I've written about this, that you know you you could have been an all IBM shop or an all Microsoft shop or whatever it happened to be, and then integration was not really that big of a deal. 
But today, in our SaaS world, where you've got a million applications flying into different departments, and you've got some on-premises uh, hardware, and then you've got other workloads that are in the cloud, it becomes critically important to be able to integrate it all. And I think one of the tasks that may be left by the wayside is that, you know, oh, well, this is good enough, the good enough theory, you know, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to optimizing completely. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of companies fall into that good enough category uh, and don't fully optimize the integration and the workflow that goes around that. Yeah, I think that good enough is a great point. And I think that that makes me think of like, what's the measure of success here in, in the integration activity? And this is going to be kind of stark, black and white, um, but I, I feel like the way it used to be was that integration success happened when you could prove that you had tied the two pieces together. So mm -hmm. maybe you had tied together like, okay, I've tied together your CRM and your, your email and you know, here's how you do it and, and I've proved that they're tied together. And that's the end of it for, you know, the outside firm or the IT team that's doing that integration piece. And, and I think today, that's not the end of it. I think today companies are saying, okay, it's, they're tied together and now we have to make sure that, that we use them. I mean, I think this has been kind of the, the bane of existence for a lot of technology projects is they get done but then maybe they don't get used that much because the workflow hasn't changed. The behaviors aren't changing. You know, the culture of the company isn't reinforcing how you use these new pieces of technology or how you make the most out of the way that they're, they're tied together. And I think that's, what's going to change here is not only do you have to tie all of this stuff together and there's so much more of it than there used to be, but you've got to make sure that, that the company and the workforce is using it. Yeah, you have to show um, why tying it together was important in the first place, right? Tying your, you know, tying things together doesn't necessarily um, import value. So you have to um, make that communicated out to the people who are going to be using the tools. I think back to my days, again, dating myself of covering, um, you know, packages of ERP software, CRM software before the cloud era. So these were giant, you know, multi-million dollars in many enterprises, packages of software. Uh, small businesses could never afford these, but, you know, big companies did. And, and, you know, at the time there were tons of stories written about how this software just sat on the shelf. There was one function that they used. It was, you know, and, and a lot of this wasn't tied together. So, you know, there was integration issues galore, but, also the fact that taking advantage of all the functionality just wasn't done. And again, it was back to my, you know, my good enough kind of uh, catchphrase there. It was, you know, we've got a hundred pieces of functionality in this software. Um, we've tied it together with another giant piece of software that has a hundred things that we can take advantage of. And we're using two or four or 20, but we're not taking, and no, and, and, and no one's, making a big deal about that. And we spent millions of dollars on this stuff. And it's similar to today, I think. Uh, it's not, you know, not a, a total apples to apples, but there, there are similarities to the way that that was handled. And now with cloud, I think it gets a little bit easier, but have we redirected our thinking from a corporate standpoint on how to uh, direct people from a workflow standpoint? 
it'll be interesting to me to see where the burden of responsibility lies or, or how it gets divided up in, in this. Because I think, again, the integrator or the IT specialist or the IT team, whoever it might be, the, the, the technical part of that job hasn't changed here, right? They're, they're still going to go in and use APIs to connect things together and, and make sure that, that things are integrated. That part hasn't changed. It's the part that comes after um, and, and they may not be completely equipped to define new workflow or talk about best practices. Uh, and, and maybe that will be part of what they add to their skill set. Um, or maybe the company, you know, has to work with the business units a little bit more to, to make sure that they understand things. I, you know, I think that one way or another, the common thread will be that transition from simply integrating the pieces into making it work will be a very collaborative exercise. And that's something that we've talked about a lot. Uh, and, and that's been happening over the past few years is that technology procurement, technology implementation has become much more collaborative. Things aren't getting thrown over the wall to say, here, build this system. And then, okay, the system's built, you know, now use it. I, I think that people are trying to decide these things together. Um, and, and, and so to, to that point, it won't exactly matter, you know, who's responsible for these pieces because I think everyone will be in it together. But I, I think there will be a lot of new things that have to happen. And I think the the technical people will have some new things and I think they can contribute more. And and also the, the overall effort is going to get looked at a little bit more closely, right? So again, in, in the past, I think integration was kind of taken for granted. Like, yeah, we're going to get, you know, the, these pieces and we assume that we're going to tie them together and it just sort of happens. But now if, if you're much more focused on making sure that the pieces get tied together in the proper way and that, that the work changes in order to, to take advantage of it, I think that integration itself will get more focus and, and companies will say, what is the cost of this going to be? Or, or what will it look like to make sure that we do this properly? Yeah, that, that's an important point. I think it may, if people get more um, knowledgeable about the effort and, and the importance of, of integration, that will make them upfront in their buying choices and their decisions about what sort of technology they want to deploy. Um, th they may be more intelligent going into that discussion. The other thing is, um, from a channel perspective, what we've found at CompTIA and a lot of our research over the years is there's been a big shift in, um, in channel companies who are spending a lot of their time on consulting work. And they do this. I mean, they're, you know, they're moving away from product sales um, to services. And in many cases, they're moving into business consulting services and technology consulting services. And I think this is a, this is a realm where they can shine, uh, where they can help companies identify the things that have to happen after you just tie the shoestrings together, uh, what has to happen after that, uh, and, and what that means to your employees, to your workflow, to how to maximize your investment. Uh, and that's, that's certainly something that I see as an opportunistic area. For sure. I, I feel like I've always been surprised um, at, at a lot of the negative reaction that's out there to the term trusted advisor. I know a lot of channel firms don't necessarily seem to like that term that much, but to me, that's exactly what's needed here. You know, th this is not a, a skill set 
that very many people have at all these days. And, and certainly a lot of people don't have it in-house and, and they may not even want to, to build the skill in-house. Um, and, and so they're looking for that consulting and, and maybe consulting comes off better than trusted advisor. But, you know, one way or another, that's what they're looking for is, you know, how do we do this? What are the best practices? What, sh- what do we need to change operationally in order to make sure that the technical work you know, is, is maximized. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm with you on the not agreeing with the denigration of the trusted advisor term. Uh, I've never been on that bandwagon. I don't think, hopefully don't roll the tape somewhere. I might've said it, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, honestly, I, I I mean, especially lately, as I think that we've become uh, the, the channel has become much more consulting oriented and valuable in that way. This is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And so why not use that term more often? I I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but I'm psyched. I think we've kicked off a good little three part series here. Yeah, and I think we've purposefully left out the the automation piece because that's the next thing we're going to talk about. But obviously, these things go hand in hand, you know, and and again, Mm -hmm. another part of the reason that integration is is more important than ever is because companies, I think, are even more anxious to get to that next step uh, and, and make sure that pieces are are automated, especially given the complexity of their technical footprint and the security issues and whatever else there might be. There's so much more complexity in the system now that there has to be more automation and that starts with integration. Totally agree. All right. Well, I agree. I think this has been a great kickoff. Uh, and, and now I'll let you get back to the college send off. <laughs> packing, packing yeah. and more packing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what is, that's basically what it is, but uh, uh, you know it. So but it was good to talk to you again since I've been off for a little while. And uh, yeah. so we'll be uh, back to it in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about automation. By then I'll have an empty nest. So how's that? All right. Well, that'll be something to talk about as well. All right. All right. All right. Take care. Yeah. Bye.